I'm going to ask you to turn to a passage that's not generally associated with Christmas until you start really digging into it, and that's the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. I'm actually working through the book of Colossians in hopes of preaching through it at some point in the near future, possibly even this year. And I love the book of Colossians. There's a lot of similarities between Colossians and Ephesians. But uh, I love the book of Colossians. The theme of Colossians is this, the, the sufficiency and the preeminence of Jesus. He's sufficient. And he's preeminent. And that's the theme of the whole book. And there's a great deal to be gleaned from a a thorough study of the background of the church at Colossae. And I wish we had time to do that, but this morning I'm not going to do that to you, okay? Uh, Some of y'all need to get back to be with family. If you're like me, you need to get back and take a nap. I went to bed late and my kids had me up early. I am struggling right now, y'all. So you're going to benefit from that a great deal. So we're going to look for a quick overview just for this morning. There was, a, there was a prevalent heresy around Colossae and the church at Colossae that denied the deity of Jesus and claimed that he was just a, a lower form that emanated from God, something along the lines of an angel. And Paul addresses this with fervor. And as we look through just, just even in, verse, in chapter 1, we, we see that, that Paul talks about his eternity. His eternity in verse 15, look at it. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now that that word firstborn doesn't mean the first one to come into existence. It means first in rank. It's taught, you know, just like in a, in a Jewish family, the firstborn would have the highest rank usually. He's the first in rank. We understand Jesus was never born. He's always been. Now, he came into an earthly body at Christmas, but he's always been. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And we know that's Jesus because in verse 14 it says that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he's always been. Christmas isn't when Jesus began. It's when we see him in the flesh. See? So we see his eternity. Then in verse 16, we see his sovereignty. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. You understand that Jesus is sovereign over creation and he's sovereign over all authority. He has no rival. He has no rival. He's sovereign. And then in verse 17, Paul talks about his necessity. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. What does that mean? No Jesus, no you. No Jesus, no creation. Without Jesus, none of this exists. And the fact that we still exist is because Jesus still exists. By him, all things consist. So we see this baby in a manger. Paul talks about his eternity, his sovereignty, his necessity. And then in verse 18, his superiority. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, I've done a little digging on this, all things in the Greek, means all things. That in all things, he, Jesus, (coughs) might have the preeminence. That word preeminence simply means first place. 
That he ought to be first place in everything. He ought to be first place in my church. He ought to be first place in my heart. He ought to be first place in my marriage. He ought to be first place with my kids. He ought to be first place with my pastimes. He ought to be first place at my job. He ought to be first place in all things. But today I want to look at this one verse, verse number 19. Verse number 19. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. For it pleased the Father that in Jesus should all fullness dwell. So what does this verse mean? What does it have to do with Christmas? Well, the key word is the word fullness. The word there, fullness, means this, literally means that which is replete. What does replete mean? Perhaps over Christmas you have been replete with food. You have eaten, and you have eaten, and you've reached a point where you can eat no more, and yet we find a way. Man, I'm just miserable now, but all right, one more slice. Make it a thin slice, but one more slice. You know, we're replete. We're just, you couldn't get another thing in there. To be completely filled. In fact, this term was often used in shipping. When a ship had all the cargo that it could take and all the crew that it could take and still stay afloat, they would, they would use this word to say it's, it's full. That ship is in its fullness. So what do we take from that? Paul is saying that in Jesus, listen closely, in Jesus is all the God there is. Jesus is not partly God. God doesn't give Jesus part of his deity. In Jesus, in that baby that they looked upon in the manger, that the shepherds worship, that the wise men worship, that we worship, in Jesus is all the God there is. He is fully, in his fullness, God. Limited by nothing. He is 100% fully God. J.B. Lightfoot said this, on the one hand, in relation to deity, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He is not only the chief manifestation of the divine nature, he exhausts the Godhead manifested. What does exhaust mean? It means he says everything about God there is to say. He exhausts the Godhead manifested. In him resides the totality of the divine powers and attributes. In contrast to the Gnostic doctrine, Paul asserts and repeats the assertion that the pleroma, fullness, abides absolutely and wholly in Christ as the word of God. Watch this. The entire light is concentrated in him. All of it. That's what we mean when we see that in him should all fullness dwell. We see this word pop up in a passage that is more easily related to Christmas. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. When time was as full as it could be and as ready, we could use this word, as pregnant as it could be. Because that's how they often used it. 
When a woman has come to full term and that baby is ready to be born, that's the fullness of her time. When time was at its fullness, God sent his son. Remember, he's never late and he's never early. He's always right on time. So this gets more relatable to Christmas when we consider a similar statement that Paul made later in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, if you want to see it. For in him, Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. As Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, looked on that little body, they were staring at God in the flesh. We just sang this. Charles Wesley wrote these words, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. I'm going to do something I don't often do. You know, those of you that heard me preach a little bit, you know that at the end I, I give a so what. I'm going to give you the so what first and then give you the three points. The so what is this. Whatever you need from God, whatever you need for God, look only to Jesus. You need look nowhere else. Oh, but I, I, need, I need advice. I need counsel. I, I understand that. And God gives us those resources. But fundamentally, whatever you need from God, you'll find it in Jesus. It's one stop, y'all. And so that's the title of the message this morning. Look only to Christ. Look only to Christ. Father, Would you help me as I preach this message? May I be as brief as you want me to be, but may I be as thorough as you want me to be. And Father, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, if there's somebody here in this room or watching online that needs the gospel, I pray they'd hear it, they'd respond before it's too late, and that Christians would be helped and encouraged, and that Jesus would be glorified. May everything that happens here come to that end. Happy birthday, Lord Jesus. Thank you for letting us gather on your day. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Number one, if you need salvation, look only to Christ. The gospel is profound in its depth, but God made it pretty simple for us. And we Baptists especially have a habit of making, taking things that are simple and making them complicated. And so we put all kinds of litmus tests and all kinds of, you know, little things that mark somebody as saved or unsaved. And sometimes when we do that, we lose sight of the great simple gospel truth. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 1. If you want to join me there, John chapter 1, verse number 12, it says this. And we're going to try to keep with this idea of this fullness, this fullness. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, meaning John the Baptist, bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Did you catch that? In him dwells all what? What, what, what did God say? It pleased the Father that in him would dwell all what? All fullness, right? Well, what, what happens with that fullness? Verse 16, and of his fullness have we all received. And grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by church membership. But grace and truth came by good works. But grace and truth came by baptism. But grace and truth came by paperwork. But grace and truth came by denomination. But grace and truth came by keeping that preacher happy. No. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He is always the answer, friend. Listen, we sometimes look at at a gospel presentation as we think we've got it all figured out and somebody needs what we have. No, no, no. Listen. Every one of us in here has this in common. We have failed God. We have sinned. We have come short of his glory. We all have. And we need only look in the mirror to see that. If we have an honest assessment of ourselves, we know that we've come up short of God's standard of perfection. And God, being holy and righteous, cannot overlook sin. He will not overlook sin. Sin has to be punished. It has to be judged. And the only way that we can do that is by going to hell. But Jesus said, no, I'll go. And Father, I'll let you pour your wrath out on me until you're satisfied that sin has been paid for. And for six hours, Jesus hung between heaven and earth, and God poured his wrath out on sin, my sin, your sin, the sins of all mankind. God judged his son in our place. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God in our place. And then when he perceived that God was satisfied, that God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied, he cried out, it is finished. It's paid in full. The order's been carried out. The work is a masterpiece. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he died. And that body lay there for three days in that tomb until early on that Sunday morning, Jesus, that breath rose under that grave clothes. And Jesus miraculously passed through those grave clothes, stepped out of that tomb alive forevermore. Physically alive, by the way, still a human. He took on humanity forever for us. And the Bible teaches that if you'll put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. It is Christ alone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's nothing, there's another name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He that believeth on the Son hath life. 
He that believeth not hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Oh, Andy, I need to be saved. I need to know I'm going to heaven. You'll find your salvation in Christ alone. If you need salvation, look only to Christ. Number two, if you need strength, look only to Christ. Now, has God put people in our lives that that help strengthen us? Yes, he has. But never forget who they come from. Ultimately, every good gift, and that includes strength, comes from Christ. I'm weak, Andy. I'm tired. I'm weary. I need strength. Would you go to Ephesians chapter 3 with me? We're still thinking about this matter of fullness. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I need strength. Ephesians 3.14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So we're looking for strength here, right? Now look at verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with what? All the fullness of God. (laughs) Man, I need strength. Now listen, please understand something. I'm here for you. If you need something from me, I'm going to do everything I can to help you. But understand something. Fundamentally, I can't give anybody strength. My wife loves me more than anybody on this planet. And as much as she'd like to, she can't give me strength. My mother would love to be able to give me strength, but she can't. My children would love to be able to give me strength, but they can't. My strength can only come from Christ. When David lost everything... His family had been taken in a raid, and the people that were left with him wanted to stone him. What did David do to get through that? It says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. You need salvation? Look only to Christ. You need strength? Look only to Christ. And then finally, you need stability? Look only to Christ. We're still in Ephesians. We're going to go over chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So what, is, what, what are we seeing? That, that these, these offices throughout the course of church history have been a gift from God. Now, we don't have apostles anymore. And we don't have prophets in the way that Paul means here. We do have evangelists, and they're a gift from God. And a lot of people, myself included, think that pastors and teachers is meant to be the same, the same office. So, you know, I guess from that perspective, I'm a gift from God. So you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just playing around here. But, uh, but he, gave, he gave these people to us. Why? What's our role? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. 
Now, does that mean we're going to be sinless on earth? No, we're never going to get there. We ought to try for that, but we're not going to get there. It means our maturity and our growth and our completion. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the what? Fullness of Christ. So the unity of the faith, does unity sound like a stabilizing force? Oh, it is. But he goes even further. What kind of stability do I need? I need stability in the Word of God and how to apply the Word of God and how to live the Word of God. And he goes on and says that, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the, but by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I need the stability. As I, as I go against this world and my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the world comes against me, I need that stability. I can't be blown around with every, every weird doctrine that comes along. I need to stand for Christ. How do I have that kind of stability? You look only to Jesus. I thank God for education. I, I had the privilege of going to college, and many of you did as well. But i got to tell you, a college degree can't give you that stability. In fact, many college degrees will rob you of that stability. Years of experience can't give you that stability. That stability can only be found in Jesus Christ as his Holy Spirit applies his word in your life. So on this Christmas Day, There may be some in need of salvation. And if that's you, I'm not going to have an invitation like we normally would, but this would be my prayer. In realizing your need for the Savior, would you seek me out? If you're a lady, my wife would be honored. We have a number of of men and ladies in our church that would love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. And you can have that salvation. But it's only going to come through Christ. I need strength. Look only to Christ. I need stability. Look only to Christ. Once again, the so what? Whatever you need from God, look only to Christ.